Welcome to the weekly Beach Church Message Podcast. This week we start a brand new series, Sowing and Reaping. We're based on 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 13, where Paul tells us that those who sow generously will also reap generously. Want to encourage you with this series, we are going to do a 10-day fast. You can go to beachfast.com to find out more about what fasting is and how to be a part of the fast. This fast will start on September the 19th and it'll finish on September the 28th as we do a worship night, have communion and celebrate all that God has done together during the fast. So I wanna invite you to be a part of that, invite you to be a part of this series. And for now, let's jump into God's word as we look at sowing and reaping. Welcome to Beach. My name is Carrie. I am one of the pastors here. If you are joining us online, we are glad you are here as well. We are starting a brand new series this morning called Sowing and Reaping. And I'm really excited about this series. It uh, is based on a passage in 2 Corinthians that we're going to get into this morning. And God had laid this passage on my heart uh, back in December. And so he's really kind of been mulling this and what this principle is. Uh, But I have to give a little shout out. If you were here a couple of weeks ago, we just finished a road trip series and Pastor Emmanuel set up this whole series that we're going to do in the month of September when he went through Ephesians chapter 4 and he gave one of the best analogies that I've ever heard about Ephesians chapter 4. In Ephesians chapter 4, Paul writes this letter to these people in a place called Ephesus, a church in Ephesus, Uh, and he's saying, hey, here's how the church is set up to be and to flow, And, and, and he used this analogy that for us as people, when we come to church, there are two mindsets and mentalities that we can take. One is the public's mindset, and that's that we go to public's And we're spiritually hungry, and so we come to church, and we get our little cart, and we go and we fill it up during the week, uh, or we fill it up on Sunday when we come to service, then we go consume all of that fruit during the week, and by the end of the week, we're so hungry again, we got to come back to church to get more of that, that fruit that gets produced, or what we need. Uh, And he said this, and I grew up at the beach, so this had little connection to me because I had never been to one of these places before, but he said, no, 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 that's not what church is supposed to be like. It's not supposed to be you come and get your little basket, and you come and get the food, and then by the end of the week, you're so hungry again, you're famished and hangry. Uh, It's supposed to be more like a tractor supply store. Uh, and I've, I have to admit, I've still never been into a tractor supply store. Uh, like I said, I grew up at the beach, not uh, in a place where you need one of those stores. Uh, but what he said was, the tractor supply store, there's nothing to eat there. Well, I guess there's something that you, you could eat the seeds that they have there if you got really desperate. But he said, when you go into the tractor supply store, you don't get food. What you get is you get the tools and you get the equipment to go home and to plant a garden or plant an orchard so that you can be fed even when you're not at church. 
And I thought, wow, what an amazing analogy and what a great way to set up this entire series that we're going to do for the month of September called Sowing and Reaping. And so what we're going to do is we are going to look at something that is a foundational principle and we are going to look at what does it mean for us to be able to, to raise up these spiritual gardens within our lives, to raise up these orchards of God's fruit that gets born out into our lives. And so that's what we're going to be doing over these next couple of weeks. Uh, and to get us started, really what I, I thought is super important is for us to understand what we're going to talk about is a foundational principle. Now, there are some foundational principles of the world that uh, you don't have to believe in God. You don't have to believe in Jesus for these things to just be true. And so I thought that I could tell you about that or I could let you experience one of these. So to experience one of these to get going, I actually need a volunteer. I need a very brave person who would be willing to come up this morning uh, and to help me demonstrate this foundational principle. Any volunteers, raise your hand. I know there's one brave soul in here. There's one brave soul. Yes. Okay. Come on up, Olivia. Yeah, come on. Okay, now uh, as she comes up, I learned a lot about this foundational, you can stand right there so everyone can see you, I found out about this foundational principle uh, when I was in the seventh grade. When I was in the seventh grade, I had an amazing social studies teacher, his name was Mr. Scott, uh, really loved Mr. Scott. I don't think the love was super reciprocal because uh, <laughs> and me in the seventh grade, I'm sure it was a sight to be seen, uh, but I spent a lot of my time actually not in Mr. Scott's class. I spent a lot of my time in the hallway outside of Mr. Scott's class. Uh, I liked to have a good time, uh, joke around, uh, just cut up, uh, and so eventually that earned me a seat outside in the hallway. Well, that seat earned me not good grades because I had no clue what was going on in the class to do the tests or the homework. So Mr. Scott, being the great educator that he was, realized I got to do something to get this kid motivated to be back in the classroom. Uh, and so what he did was he said, Carrie, if you can learn how to juggle, you can earn your way back into my class. So Olivia here, Olivia, I don't know, do you know how to juggle? No. Okay, so we're going to do a little juggling lesson here. Here's what he said. He said, uh, for every hundred of these you could get going back and forth, you can be back in for about 10 minutes. <laughs> so uh, I talked a lot. Um, so, so here's what I had to do. He did not give me these fun juggling instruments. He gave me erasers for his chalkboard. Uh, and so uh, he would teach me how to juggle while everyone else was sitting quietly doing their work. Uh, and so uh, the thing he said was, uh, there's a very important principle that makes juggling work. And that's that when you throw the ball up, what happens? It's coming back down. That's right. There's this thing called gravity. Uh, and gravity is essential to make juggling work. Uh, and so he said, okay, so what you do is you take two in one hand, one in the other. And in the hand that has two, 
you're going to throw one up and just practice catching it with the left hand, okay? So on the count of three, one, two, three, up and catch. See, she did it better than I did. <laughs> perfect, perfect. Okay, so we're going to do that again. Switch to two, up, and it comes down. Perfect, perfect. Okay, so back to two. Man, you're quick at this. That's good. Okay, back to two. So now, when we get up, when it gets up to about here and it begins to come back down, now you got to throw the other one at that same time. The one in your left hand you're going to throw. Okay, here we go. One, two, three. Up, up. <laughs> that was great. That was really good. That was really good. Okay, let's try that again. We'll go up, up. Okay, ready? Up, up. <laughs> okay, one more time, one more time. Up, up. Yes, you're so close, you're so close. Okay, so he said when it gets to that high point and then you throw up, when this one gets to the high point, then you go up again. So it's up, 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 okay? You're doing great, you're doing great. Okay, ready? One, two, three, up, 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 up. All right, you're doing great. You're, you know how many times I said I can't do it? And I got to end up back in the hallway. It was great. Okay, ready? <laughs> One, two, three. Up, 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 up. All right, last chance, last chance. Here we go. One, two, three. Up, 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 up. Yes! Great job. Great job, Olivia. And you can keep those. I have some for the next service. Yep. All right, so Olivia helped me introduce us to this foundational principle. As much as you might say gravity doesn't exist, gravity doesn't care what you think. It will bring you back down every single time. Why? Because it's a foundational principle. It was a foundational principle that I learned that if I talked too much in that class, I would have bad grades. Foundational principle that I learned. And, and so there are these foundational principles in life uh, that God has set in place. Here's what scripture tells us in Psalm 104, 1. Praise the Lord, my soul. Lord, my God, you are very great. You are clothed with splendor and majesty. The Lord wraps himself in light as with a garment. He stretches out the heavens like a tent. He makes the clouds his chariot and rides on the wings of the wind. He makes winds his messengers, flames of fire his servants. He set the earth on its foundations. It can never be moved. You see, there are foundations that mark this, this world that you and I get to be in. And those are set by God. It does not catch God by surprise every time the juggling ball comes back down. He knows. He set it up to be that way. And here's one of the most amazing things about our Heavenly Father. One of the most amazing things about our God. He didn't set those things in motion and try and keep them a secret from us. Through His Word, He's given us access into so many of these principles. And, and one of the things that I love is that many of these principles, they make sense. Like, like you dig into God's word and you're like, yeah, that, that kind of makes sense. I've seen this. It's rarely the knowledge of a principle that keeps us from experiencing that and fruit from God. It's usually the lack of application 
of that principle. I can't tell you how many times I knew that talking and joking and cutting up in Mr. Scott's class would end me up in the hallway. But my application of knowing that principle was very poor till the end of the year. And so I had to take and I had to apply God's principle in my life. I had to apply that principle. And the same is true for us. We have to learn God's principles, how he has set the foundations of the earth, how he has set the foundations of how we live together. We take those and we learn them and we apply them. And the beautiful thing is God has not kept those a mystery or a secret. He says, no, 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 you are my children. I dearly love you. In fact, I want to share these with you so that life for you can be amazing. So that you can have fruit in your life for times of harvest. And so I want to jump into the principle that really is defining this series as we go through it. Paul writes this letter to a church in Corinth And he's writing them, talking about, here's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Here are the things that that can be defining to our life. And so in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6, he says this. He says, remember this. So he's from the get-go saying, this is not something new. He's saying, remember, you either know this principle already, or it's something that I talked to you about beforehand, and I'm just reminding you right now. So, so as we go through this, you may say, oh yeah, that makes sense. Like, I understand. I get that principle. He says, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Paul's saying there's a relationship between what you sow and what you reap, and specifically When we sow sparingly, we'll reap sparingly. When we sow generously, we'll reap generously. Now, you have probably experienced this in your life. You know that if you sow generously into going to the gym and working out and watching what you eat, you will reap the health benefits of that. You also know the inverse is true. If you sow sparingly into that... The health benefits are not fantastic. You know in school, when you sowed sparingly into being prepared, you reaped sparingly when it came time for grades. You know that in your workplace, when you sow generously into the work you do, there is a result that comes and it reflects you having spent time and dedication and and being really keyed in at work. You know the same thing with relationships, that there are relationships that you have that when you sow generously, you reap generously. This is often the difference between dating and marriage. Dating, you sowed generously, and then all of a sudden you got married, and sometimes that season became sparingly. And you wonder why it doesn't feel the same months and months later. It's because you're reaping what's actually been sowed into those relationships. Think about this with uh, parents. Those of you that have children, uh, you probably spend an amazing amount of time sowing generously 
into those kids. And part of what you're expecting is that there will be something to reap generously from your investment into them. But we all also know what it feels like when we've had a relationship and there was sowing happening sparingly in that relationship. And so Paul is saying, hey, remember this principle. This principle is really important into who you are and your relationship with Jesus. He says, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Now, Paul uses some language here. He says, abundantly, all, 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 abound. Paul is highlighting that God, your heavenly Father, He is a God of generosity. He is a God of abundance. He is a God of supplying all that you have in need. There is no scarcity in God. Our scriptures tell us that our God, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. There is never scarcity or need with our heavenly father. And he says, God is able in your life to bring this abundance so so that you will abound in every good work. He desires your life to produce something and to produce something good for you and for those around you. He says, as it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. You see, God belie- or Paul believes that God has given you some gifts and that you and I, we have the opportunity to scatter those gifts to the poor. Now, we can take this as financial, and sometimes we look at this and take this just as financial, but I believe this expands way beyond financial. Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit. We can be poor in more ways than just financially. And Paul is setting up for the church in Corinth. He's saying, hey, you guys, you've got some gifts. God's given you some things to be able to distribute freely and in abundance. And as you do that, there will be a righteousness that comes from your living together. He says, now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed. He's saying, God has the ability to do this for you in your life. That he will supply and increase your store of seed and he will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Now, what is harvest? Harvest is the result. It is the reaping. And he's saying, Paul's saying to these people in Corinth and to you and to me that God desires there to be a result from your life in my life, a result of righteousness in your life and in my life. Now, here's what we understand and believe as Christians, that you and I can do nothing to earn righteousness. That way back in the Garden of Eden, when sin enters the world and you and I choose not God as opposed to choose God, there's a brokenness there. 
But this is the beauty of this guy named Jesus. Jesus, Son of God, comes. And when he dies on the cross for my sin and your sin, when he's resurrected three days later, the scriptures tell us that his righteousness is imputed to you and to me. Now, sometimes we take that and we can say as Christians, okay, that's great. I've got God's righteousness on me now. I'm just autopilot waiting to get to heaven till we're face to face. And yes, you can do that. But Paul believes that there's more for your life. And there's more for the people around you than just autopilot into this. He believes that there's actually a harvest of righteousness to be produced in your life. That once you have the imputed righteousness of Jesus on you from saying yes to a relationship with him, that he will then begin to do this transformative process in your life and my life as you embrace sowing generously into your relationship with God. He goes on, he says, you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. He's saying your heart can be transformed into reflecting that heart of your heavenly Father. Now, uh, I don't know about you, there are some times in my life where I feel just so generous. I'm like, yes, I got more than enough. I can give, 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 give. And then there are some times where I have much more of a scarcity mentality. And I say, well, I would like to be generous now, but, and then fill in the blank. You can fill in the blank with whatever your but is in that moment. But, but we kind of tend to have this sense of when I feel like I have enough, I will then be generous with what I have. And here's the amazing thing about being a son or daughter of God through a relationship with Jesus. That means your heavenly father, all that he has access to, the cattle on a thousand hills, are all yours all the time. This is what Paul means. He's saying, you can be generous on every occasion because you have a heavenly Father that has more than enough, always. Not sometimes, not on payday, not on new job, not on bonus season, not on promotion, always. There is the capacity for you and I to have lives characterized by generosity. He says, and through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. He says, because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God. Paul's saying, the harvest of your life has an opportunity to bring other people into a place where they literally will praise God. They will come to recognize who Jesus is, what he has done for them, the beauty, the amazingness that it is to have a close, personal relationship with Jesus. And he says, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ. Notice he doesn't say uh, they will praise God because you did amazing things in your life 
or because you had this great job, or because you raised these amazing kids that got into every college that you were hoping they would get into, and they always got the best grades, and they never had any troubles in their entire life. That's not what Paul says. He says, they will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ. It's you and I's response to who Jesus is and what he's done for us that will lead others to identify, wow, that guy, Jesus. This is why I love when we do testimony videos and, and when we do starting point. And starting point, we walk people through understanding what does it mean to share what God's done in your life? Many people have been a pastor for over 20 years now. When I have a conversation with them about sharing their faith, about sharing the confession of the gospel of Christ with others, I often get the pushback, yeah, but I'm not a theologian. I don't know enough about the Bible. I don't know enough about God. It, all we have to do is confess what has Jesus done in you. That's all. When we confess and, and when our lives demonstrate something has happened in you, others will praise God. They will recognize that in your life and in my life. And he finishes and he says, and for your generosity and sharing with them and with everyone else. And so over the next couple of weeks, we are going to go uh, on a season of really learning what does it mean to sow generously into our relationship with God. Paul says in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, we're going to see that passage a lot in this series. He says, the fruit of the Holy Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. He says, your life, your harvest, your reaping, the harvest of righteousness that God desires within your life can be love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Now, I know there are times, parents, let's be honest, that patience one, from time to time, trust me, I heard you guys right before school was in, and you were so excited school was getting back in. Why? because that patience harvest was low, wasn't it? End of the summer came, and it was like, whew, we need a fallow season in patience so I can regrow that in my life. There are times that our life is missing those fruits of the Holy Spirit, and our temptation is for us to attempt to grow those things in our own life. But Paul says, those are the fruit of the Holy Spirit. They are not fruit that you can produce on your own. And so how? How then do you get that fruit in your life if you can't produce it? If you can't sow that in, it's through sowing generously into your relationship with God. When you draw close to Him, when you come close in that submission and in that relationship with Jesus, the Holy Spirit, will begin planting some things within you that will begin growing. And it will grow into this beautiful garden of a life of which you will have an abundance of fruit to share. I know if you go to my wife and you ask her, 
could carry you at least one of those nine fruits of the Holy Spirit more in his life? She would tell you, absolutely. She might tell you nine of them. All of us can have the fruit of God in our lives being produced so that we don't have to come here on a Sunday morning to fill up the spiritual cart of fruit to then go through the week and just devour everything that we get. Now, there, there are a couple of things uh, tied to this metaphor of sowing and reaping that I think God chose very intentionally and had Paul use very intentionally. Sometimes we get to places in our lives where we realize we don't have any fruit and we're hungry. And we come to a place where we might show up at a church, we might show up online because we think, gosh, if I just go there, I'll get fed. And as Pastor Emmanuel said, yes, if you come here, we're going to feed you. But we're not going to just keep feeding and feeding and feeding. We're going to teach you how to sow generously into your relationship so that you will have a harvest that will not only feed you but feed others. And so here's a very important thing you've got to know about this principle. If I give you an apple seed today and you go plant it tomorrow and then I come back to you on Tuesday, can I ask you for apples? I can ask, will you have any? No. You see, when we begin planting these seeds in our lives, there is a period of time that elapses between us choosing to sow generously and us actually being able to experience the harvest of God in our lives. And so we get the opportunity in each and every season of our lives to choose. This is going to be a season where I sow generously God's word into my heart. Believing that in a future season, there will be harvest for me and for others. Now, part of what that means, uh, and I've experienced this, and I know you have experienced this, there maybe have been some seasons in your past where you recognize, I did not sow generously. And I'm living in a harvest season right now that reflects that. And so we come to this place in our lives where we're hungry, spiritually, because of our choice to not so generously previously. Here is how amazing our God is and how much he loves you. He says you cannot do the walk of faith on your own because he knows you're going to do that. And so he puts all of these people, he puts all of those people online that are with you right now, he puts us together in this thing called the church. Because if I give you an apple seed and you go and plant it, I can't get an apple tomorrow, but in five years, can I get an apple? Yes. Can I get just one apple? No. I can get literally hundreds of apples at that point. I can get what we might call an abundance of apples at that point. And so there are people in this room, you have been sowing generously into your relationship with God. And so you have a harvest in your life of joy right now that if you are honest, you would say, yeah, I got joy, and I got enough for you too. There's an abundance that we as the people of God, we as the body of Christ, we get to share with one another when my brother is hungry, when my brother needs some of my patience, I can say, hey, I got you, I understand, I'm gonna share my fruit 
with you. And here's the amazing thing about fruit. When I share my fruit from a season of abundance with somebody else, the amazing thing about fruit, what's on the inside when you get to the middle? Seeds. For you to then be able to plant into your life so that a future season you will have harvest of righteousness from what God would choose to do in your life. We were not made to do this alone. We were made to do it with each other. We were made to realize, yes, I'm going to have harvest that's abundant at times, and I'm going to have harvest that I chose not to sow generously, but I don't have to stay in a place of a fallow field. I don't know if this happens to you, but from time to time, if I haven't eaten, I get hungry, and sometimes that changes my mood, and I might get a little hangry. I'm sure that's just me. I believe the same thing happens to us spiritually. When we are devoid of God in our life, there's some things that begin happening in our hearts, and we become spiritually hangry. And we have a choice in that moment when we recognize that, when we realize, hey, I'm at the end of a season where I did not sow well. We have a choice to look around to the people around us who we see have an abundance of harvest, and we can do one of two things. The first thing we can do is we can scoff, and we can be angry and upset with them because they have harvest, and continue to be hungry and continue to have no seed for the future. Or we can turn and we can say, I'm hungry. Would you share with me? I'm hungry. Would you help me in this season? Would you help me? And so here's what I believe. I believe that we have a season ahead of us this month of September where as a church, We're going to spend some time sowing generously into our relationship with God. Believing that maybe not in October, but maybe in January, or maybe next June, or maybe next September, we will begin to see the buds of new growth of spiritual life within us and within our church. That we will begin to have a harvest that we can share with a community that is in such desperate need of things like love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. Can we get some self-control, people, right? Here's what the brother of Jesus, James, said. I love James. Uh, This is my favorite book in the Bible uh, for a number of different reasons, but First and foremost, James is the brother of Jesus who did not follow Jesus when Jesus walked on the earth. In fact, he he and his brothers, they would come and try and pull Jesus away because Jesus, let's be honest, was the crazy brother. And yet James writes this beautiful, this beautiful letter to Christians. And if you look in the book of Acts, there's James as a leader of the church. Why? He thought Jesus was crazy. What happened? He saw a resurrected Savior, not a brother anymore. 
And so he leans into that relationship with his Savior, not just his brother. And he writes this beautiful letter, but I love how the message is captured, these three verses. James says this, he says, Post this at all the intersections, dear friends. Lead with your ears. Follow up with your tongue. And let anger straggle along in the rear. God's righteousness doesn't grow from human anger. Look, look at what he's done. It is the same sowing and, print, sowing and reaping principle. He's recognizing that there's a righteousness of God that can grow within the human heart. And that we can have that. We can have access to that. He says, but God's righteousness doesn't grow from human anger. So throw off spoiled virtue and cancerous evil in the garbage. In simple humility, you say, I'm hungry. I'm hungry, God. In simple humility, let our gardener, God, landscape you with the word. Who does the work in that? Not you and me. There's not a striving after. James says, no, no, no. God desires to do something in you with the word of God. There's something he desires to produce within you, making a salvation garden of your life. As I prayed through this, this was really what came to me from the Holy Spirit. God, through a relationship with Jesus and by walking daily with the Holy Spirit, desires to produce an amazing harvest of righteousness in your life that will be a blessing to you and to others. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine a church full of these salvation gardens, ready to freely give gentleness to a few news stations that might need it, ready to freely demonstrate self-control ready to freely give of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness. We can be that church, and God desires to do that within us over this next season. And so today, I, I'm going to invite you to do something very simple, a couple of very simple things. One, we're going to do a fast during this series. A fast is simply a time that we set aside for God and dedicate to Him. And so we're going to do a 10-day fast from September 19th to September 28th. And we're going to do, do a fast that is, so, that is focused on those fruits of the Holy Spirit. Each day of the fast, we're going to focus specifically on praying through one of those fruits of the Holy Spirit and end in a worship night where we're going to celebrate this season of sowing and what God's about to do. And so I'm going to invite you to be a part of that. You're going to get a fasting guide on your way out. You can go to beachfast.com as the fasting guide is small print, unfortunately. Sorry about that. But we are going to go through this season together. And so I want to invite you to be a part of that fast and prioritize setting aside a season for God and for sowing generously. And this morning, as I close in prayer, we're going to do one more thing. I'm going to give you just a moment with the Holy Spirit. Just a moment here to say, Holy Spirit, show me. What is my life reaping right now? What is the harvest? 
Is it a harvest of righteousness? Man, that's awesome. Who, who do you need to share that fruit with? Is it a harvest that's a little thin this year? Who do you need to ask, can I have some fruit? Would you share with me? So let's do this. Let, let's pray. And I invite you in this time, just have a moment with the Holy Spirit. If you don't know what to say, you can just simply say, Holy Spirit, would you reveal to me, reveal to me what is the harvest of my life right now? As I look around in my relationships, as I look around at my work, as I look around at my family and my friends, what's being produced? If you're seeing that, that picture of that harvest of abundance, just spend a minute here and thank him. As Paul said, he gives seed to the sower in abundance. Those blessings in your life that you're experiencing, that harvest, give him thanks for that. And if you're here, you're having that conversation with the Holy Spirit right now, and you're seeing some, some places where you need some fruit, cry out to him. Be desperate for him. love Moses. He spends 40 days on a mountaintop with God getting the Ten Commandments and God says it's time to go down and Moses says no, 40 days wasn't enough with you God. I need more. I need to see you face to face. Cry desperately out to your God today. He is not a God of scarcity. He is not a God of sparing. He's a God of abundance and generosity. He desires for your harvest to be rich and full. If you're in that place this morning and you're honest with him and you're not experiencing that, just ask him for it. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for your great love towards us that you would send Jesus to be our righteousness and that through a relationship with him, Holy Spirit, you would come in and you would begin doing the work in our lives. You would be landscaping our lives with the word of God. We hold on to that promise of you, Lord. And so we pray for this season to be a season of such intense sowing, such generous sowing, into our lives, believing that you will produce a harvest of righteousness, of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control that changes communities, that changes homes and families and workplaces and neighborhoods. We believe that you have promised to God that it is a foundational principle that we can trust in. So I pray that we would be a people who trust you and who move our hearts into a place of being open and ready for all that you are about to do. 
And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thanks again for tuning in to this week's podcast. We'd love to connect with you and hear from you on how this week's podcast impacted you. You can always connect with us through our app, Beach Church Jacks, which is found on the iTunes Store or the Google Play Store. And you can always go to our website, beachchurchjacks.com. Have a great day.